Hi, and welcome to the next edition of the Red Senior Podcast from the team here in London. I'm Juliana Vilkos, Managing Editor at Red Senior. And today we look at the Middle East, the region which has arguably been the most active in Simia over the last 12 months in terms of primary bond and loan issuances. But what about opportunities for special set investors, including those in the private credit space? Asla Orbay Graves, our deputy editor and head of corporate coverage with a special focus on the Middle East, spoke with someone who is best placed to comment on the opportunities in the region. Hi, Asla. Hi, thanks, Juliana. Yes, there's a lot going on in the region and not just in the primary markets. I spoke with Barka Yonjal, Head of Investments for the Middle East at Asilawi, an advisory and asset management firm that has been active in the region for some time. We talked about the current distressed opportunities in the Middle East, as well as recent regulatory and cultural shifts that have facilitated the maturing of the regional market. There's also a newly emergent private credit market in the Middle East, and I asked Barkai how it compares to the state of play in developed markets. Lastly, he also shared with me his views on the latest distressed and private credit opportunities in Turkey. Thanks a lot, Barkai, for taking the time to speak with me today. Esilawi is in the process of setting up an office in the UAE, so you clearly see an expansion of opportunities in the region. Perhaps you can talk about where those opportunities are. For example, is it mainly distressed or private credit? And uh, why has there been an extension? Uh, thanks for having me on, on, on this podcast, Asla. You know, we've been investing in the Middle East markets since 2011, starting back to uh, the large restructuring situations like the Dubai World and Dry Ducks and uh, all the first generation of restructuring names, let's say. The opportunity was always there, but we do see that growing um, quite significantly on both fronts, on both distress side and also private credit side. On distress side, what we are seeing is the regional banks, um, especially in the GCC, are becoming more proactive managing their balance so it's much more commonplace now to see um, Emirati Bank or a Saudi Bank to engage with the secondary market to look at liquidity options on their uh, distressed assets. I mean, best proof of that was obviously the large ADCB portfolio that was sold at the end of last year, uh, which was $1.1 billion notional. It's quite a sizable ticket, even for the Western market, that would be a quite a sizable ticket. But for Middle East, it's um, you know benchmark transaction, right? It's the first of its kind of that kind of size. You know, we've been always seeing these banks kind of testing us with uh, individual files, but we are seeing more and more proactivity, and that's also increasing the Saudi market as well. So I would say secondary market is is developing quite rapidly. And on top of that, the private credit side as well, we are starting to some opportunities both in um, in the UAE, in Saudi, and in the, uh, let's say, the peripheral markets like Turkey and Egypt. Uh, very different dynamics, obviously, right? In UAE, it's mostly driven by the real estate sector, where the banks have um, caps, how much they can land into the, in, the, in that market. And obviously, with asset prices increasing so rapidly, the caps are met quite, uh, quite quickly. So if you are a second tier, third tier developer, you are looking for alternative source of financing, which is quite a bit of uh, uh, the deal flow that we are seeing today in the UAE. In Saudi Arabia, what we see is the banks are heavily landing towards these uh, giga projects driven by the government. But you know there is an opportunity there for the you know, small mid-cap companies who don't have access to those uh, large banking facilities. And uh, we have seen some deals in that space where it could be a need of working capital or growth financing, uh, where it's not as easy for them to access the banking lines. 
On the flip side, you have Turkey and Egypt, who always deal with a very different macro environment compared to GCC countries, uh, where we see blue chip companies with some kind of hard currency denominator revenues that are in need of financing, and they are not willing to pay the high interest rates in local currency, and the banks are not lending in hard currency uh, as frequently these days. So we do some opportunities come up in that space as well. Uh, so we do see a pretty diverse, uh, I would say, variety of uh, opportunities in the region, and that's why we decided it's a good time to set up on the on the ground and uh, start building up a team there to uh, take advantage of this opportunity set. And uh, you mentioned the private credit and the opportunities. On the on the private credit side, in Europe, we saw an increase of private credit starting five, six years ago, landing at a higher leverage level than traditional high-yield investors, which is starting to cause some issues. And we see those companies seeking that restructuring now. The UAE doesn't have such history. How can falling into the same cycle be avoided, do you think? It comes down to the lender discipline, right? If you look at the beginnings of the private credit market in Europe, it was an extremely competitive environment uh, from the direct lender's perspective, where everybody was competing for a handful of deals because the liquidity was so robust and the interest rates were so low. The lenders were willing to give up on covenants, on security, on structuring, and they were willing to land in lower and lower quality uh, borrowers. Um, I think the advantage that you have in the Middle Eastern market is a relatively new market in the sector, and you don't have the obviously, history of mistakes that you've seen in Europe. And because it's also regarded still as a developing market in the sense that the financial markets are developing at the same level as Europe, there's a certain amount of caution. Not everybody can access the private credit market, right? You need to have a sustainable business that has some kind of visibility around what your downside protection is going to be. Ultimately, what it becomes, what it comes down to is uh, underwriting discipline from the lender side. And what we try to do is we try to find situations where uh, even in the worst case scenario, we feel comfortable that the business will be able to repay the debt, or we do have some kind of security in place that gives us comfort that our capital is protected. As long as that discipline is maintained by different market participants, I think we can set good precedents in this in this region and we can avoid the mistakes that some of the direct lenders did in Europe uh, over competing for some of these deals and bidding themselves, basically bidding against themselves in the in this quality of security and covenants. On the distress side, secondary market loan trading seems to be more active. Is that the case? And, and if so, what has encouraged the activity? What kind of improvements has there been to the legal framework? Definitely. I think what we've seen is, first of all, all the GCC countries rewrite their bankruptcy laws over the last, uh, I would say, five, six years, let's say, which now we have good precedence in most of these geographies. In Saudi, we have August Weber Brothers, obviously, which has been a landmark case. In the UAE, we have NMC in ADGM, which was a massive success in my view. And we have other cases that are coming through on the federal courts. And on the flip side, you have in Bahrain, Garmco, for example, uh, which has been a successful direct equity transaction, which makes it quite interesting from a distressed investor's perspective to look at these opportunities because you can come up with more creative structures uh, than you you did in the past. You can do a deep financing, for example, in an in-court restructuring in the in the UAE. Uh, you can do other equity swaps. You can do managed liquidation. You can come up with different variety of uh, of solutions, which makes it easier to get comfortable around the investment thesis rather than being stuck in a process which 
ends up in the sale of assets. Um, so, you know, the buying interest has definitely improved from the investor's perspective. From the bank side, we have seen them getting more and more educated on the secondary markets. Uh, when SEO started getting involved in this market back in 2011, 2012, it was mostly the Western banks that were selling their exposures in some of these Middle Eastern companies. Good example is, for example, Dubai World, which was a massive syndicated facility. And you had German banks, Japanese banks, you know, all around the world, basically lenders that were involved in that. And after the GFC, Middle East became increasingly less relevant for these guys, and they were keen to exit the position since that was a restructuring in place. The UAE banks at that time were not selling as actively, right? They were not engaging with the secondary market as actively. Um, as these restructurings happened and more secondary players got involved in these deals, and there was an, almost an osmosis of this idea across um, across institutions. And what we are seeing now in the UAE is most certainly the first tier banks are uh, taking almost a Western approach in managing their balance sheet, but even the second tier banks, uh, some of the smaller banks or, the, for example, banks from the Northern Emirates that a lot of Western investors might not heard of in their careers, they are actually taking a very proactive approach as well, which is quite encouraging. We are seeing that trend kind of come into Saudi Arabia as well. It's been very difficult um, for us to engage with Saudi banks for many, many years, uh, but now they are starting to be more proactive and they are chasing us on a number of situations to um, seek alternative liquidity options, basically. So that's helping quite a more active market in in, in secondary loan uh, space. Um, I think that trend is going to increase. I would I would like to see more from the Turkish banks as well. They've been a bit of a laggard in that space. They are still managing a lot of their um, they're managing their portfolio super conservatively, uh, which is causing them troubles in some instances, right? But you know it's heading to a good direction in general, and we are expecting more and more to come. You mentioned some uh, legislative and regular developments, but can you talk a bit more about what's happening on the bankruptcy side? Because we've been seeing lots of uh, use of, for example, FRP now in Saudi Arabia. And um, so what kind of legislative and regulatory developments has there been in the in the Middle East for bankruptcy proceedings or debt restructuring proceedings? It's clear that the um, legislators are aware that this has been an area that needed improvement. And they really did go out and try to get the best practices around the world when they were writing these laws. Saudi Arabia is a good example, right? FRP is now a very tried and tested process. There has been hundreds of cases that went through FRP. We kind of know how that uh, situation will play out. Similarly for UAE as well, right? And again, uh, it's very simple things, but providing a deep facility, for example, has been a very noble concept in the region. And that's a game changer, right? Because if you go to a bankruptcy and all the liquidity is cut for the company, you are effectively killing it. And you are destroying value for all stakeholders, including the shareholders, lenders, government, the economy, everybody. While if you are able to provide a rescue line for these uh, these companies, even when they are in bankruptcy process, you are actually generating more value to all the stakeholders that ultimately saves the business or gets increased recoveries to the creditors and potentially even for the shareholders, right? Uh, So it's very encouraging to see that. And I do get the sense that there is constant improvements that are being put in place. Uh, UAE is, for example, uh, working on a revised version of the bankruptcy law after the experience of the first couple of cases. And again, a lot of, a lot of these things don't have really precedence, right? It's a bit of an early day still on some of these concepts, but uh, what we've seen over the fi- last five years have been uh, very promising. And I would say that we can definitely feel uh, that this is an area of focus and they are looking to improve that because they realize uh, part of having a successful, well, functioning economy is to have 
basic solutions when the company gets into trouble. Otherwise, it is very value destructive if the only recourse is just to go to court and execute and enforce on the uh, hard assets or whatever you can find from the underlying company. Um, so we are encouraged. We would like to see, again, we would like to see better improvement in Turkey. There's a financial restructuring framework agreement, uh, which is, um, you know, it's been tested, but it's not the easiest way to get deals done. And it does cause some troubles because um, it's not as in line with, uh, uh, with the best practices around the world. But we hope that that's going to be a part of the new uh, economic regime in Turkey. It's going to be one of the areas that they will pay attention to and they will improve um, that, that field as well. In terms of Turkey and the Turkish market, are there any Turkey-specific distressed or private credit opportunities? And how does that compare to the Middle East? What kind of companies are candidates to raise private credit, given the high-yield market in the Middle East and Turkey is relatively small? I mean, for Turkey's case, right, the high-yield market is really only accessible if you're a company of certain size as statute, right? Not everybody can go to the Eurobond market. You have to be, a, you know... Archelic or Turk Telecom or some something blue chip, but the reality is Turkey has a pretty sizable kind of mid cap company uh, ecosystem uh, that don't have access to those euro bond markets, and they are increasingly having difficulty to get financing from the local banks as well, mainly because of very well known hard currency uh, issues that Turkey is facing right now. I would hope that we see more growth in that sector in Turkey, both for the improvement of the broader economy as well as improvement on some of these underlying companies. Uh, but it's still at early stages. And oftentimes the challenge that we face is the Turkish borrowers, I don't think they are, um, they had quite well for the last, let's say, 15 years prior to the latest currency crisis, and uh, they are still not comfortable paying the um, returns that a private credit investor would require investing in a Turkish company, uh, which would be in double digits, obviously. So that's an education process as well that needs to take a bit of time. But I think once we're getting it over that hurdle, there's definitely benefits for both the borrowers and investors, uh, because there are very good businesses in Turkey that can grow materially further for many advantages that Turkish economy has that, you know, just needs some financing, right? just needs alternative source of financing. Uh, so we are optimistic, but it's definitely, um, I would say, slower uh, in the development of this area of financial markets. Thank you, Barkay, once more for your time and, and your valuable insights. Um, much appreciated.